Hey Velocity, welcome to today's podcast. We're so excited to hear how your life has changed by Velocity Church. And if your life has been impacted, feel free to send us an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Now, sit back and enjoy the message. We've been looking at this Exodus story and relating the parallel that the Israelites went through and leaving Egypt and going into God's best, going into the promised land. And uh, today, as we continue in this journey, I want us to learn about this next step from the book of Joshua. Now, you might think that's kind of strange because we've been talking so much about Moses and how Moses brought them out and Moses instructed them. And we look in Exodus and Numbers. See, Moses was the one who brought them out, but Joshua was the one who brought them in. And right now, we are right on the edge of of getting into God's best. We got one more week in this series and I hope you've been learning and applying some things. And and, uh, I I wanna jump right into this in one specific spot in Joshua chapter three, and we'll get right into it. I wanna read in verse 14. It says, so when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at a flood stage all during harvest, yet, As soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethek. While the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho and the priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Now it might be a little bit helpful to explain this because what's going on here isn't just history, it's also a picture. And the picture that it paints is really, really interesting. Now every week I've been referencing the fact that there's these stages, there's Egypt, the land of not enough, the wilderness, the land of just enough, Canaan, the land of more than enough. And I I find this picture interesting because like in the Bible, in the back of the Bible, there's a bunch of maps. I don't know if you've ever like, has anybody still used like a Bible with pages? You know what I'm talking about? Like like in the back of the Bible, there's a bunch of maps. And uh, and I never thought the maps were important because like you don't use the maps to preach, you use words to preach. And so I've never really looked much at the maps, but when when you go to the back of the Bible and and you look at this journey that the Israelites went on, what you see is that they went around and around and around in the wilderness for 40 years. Like I saw a map this one time that just kind of, it had like all these little curly cues, like they just went around and around and around. And maybe God's using that to speak to you right now because you feel like you've been in the wilderness and you've just been going around and around and around with never entering into God's best. But what's interesting here in Joshua is they are right now on the border of the prompt. They are about to go into it. And prior to them going into it, God gives them an instruction that I think is really key. And it's so interesting how God does this because I knew what I was gonna talk about this week. I had it planned out, but as I was reading through some different passages, I saw something in here I'd never noticed before and uh, just God used it to speak to me. I hope it speaks to you. But it's in verse three and four. He says, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord your God, and the Levitical priests carrying it, 
You are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you've never been this way before. Again, God's going to do a new thing. It's going to require a new way of thinking. But he says, but keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Now, this is kind of crazy because they're on the border of going into Canaan. They're on the border of God's best right now. And they're following God, which is exactly what we're endeavoring to do. We're endeavoring to follow God. But God says, before you can enter into my best, you got to learn to create some space. You, you, you got to learn to keep your distance. And it's not just a little space either. I mean, this is 2,000 cubits. How many of you know that's a lot of cubits? You know how many cubits that is? You know, you know how long that is? It's 10 football fields. It's 1,000 yards. He says, before you go in, I want you to learn to keep your distance. Create some space. They've, they've been living on the edge. And now God says, I want you to back up and create some margin. And that's the next step in this journey that I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about margin. And I'm calling this message today, if you're taking notes, on the border of something better. I believe that's where so many of us are at. We've been taking steps each and every week, and we know where God's wanting to take us. And we're so close. We're on the border of something better. But now we're going to learn how to create some space. Would you pray with me, and then we'll get into God's word. God, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you, God, that every time we open up your word, you speak. And I'm asking, Lord, that you would speak today, that you'll help me speak through me. I believe you have a word for each and every person here, a word that they need to hear, God. And so, Lord, use me. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, a mind to receive, and a heart to understand, God, the things that you have for us. And I believe you will, in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees with that can say, amen. Hey, how many of you uh, have kids? Let me just know who I'm talking to. Can we just all stretch forth our hand and pray for these people right now? These are the people that need our honor, that need our prayers. I, uh, I have four kids. Uh, most of you know that. Uh, I have an 11-year-old. I have a 6-year-old, 5-year-old, almost 2-year-old. That's my favorite one, Pippa. And, uh, you know, kids, it's, it's amazing because... Um, you learn so much about yourself when you have kids. Like things I never even realized. Like I used to think I was pretty put together. Like I'm even keel. I got like I understand. I'm, I know myself. That is until you have kids. Like in the 11 years of see, kids just have this way of pulling out the extremes of your personality. You know what I'm saying? Like beyond, how many of you would admit you have some quirks in church? Or you got a few quirks. Like. I used to think I didn't have any quirks, but now that I have kids, I, I think I got some quirks because, like, I, I don't know that I would consider myself a, a neat freak per se or, or even a super clean freak. Like, in fact, it's kind of weird because I'm one of those, like, I like things clean. I just don't like to clean. Anybody else like that? Like, like I need cleanliness to function, but just don't make me do it. So, but I, I wouldn't necessarily consider myself a clean freak, but, but here's the thing. Like, one of my quirks that I've discovered from my kids it's like, I don't like getting anything on my clothes. Like, I'll, I'll literally, like, it is, it, it is borderline disorder. Because, the thing, like, as soon as, if, if I'm sitting down to eat, and the moment I spill something, like, on my shirt, 
I will immediately get up, change my shirt, and put it in the wash. And that is really awkward when you're at a restaurant, let me tell you. I mean, I'm just saying, like, I can't stand it. And so, like, for me, like, I love my kids. I just love them better from a distance. You know what I'm saying? Like, on Sunday morning, not one of them gets a hug from me. Because the last thing I want is to get up here and have, like, Cheerios smeared on my jeans when I'm trying to preach to you. And you're looking at Cheerios. I just, I just, I, I can't handle it. This is quality parenting advice. I know. Don't cough. I'm just telling, I'm just trying to bear my soul, but... Hey, here's what I'm saying. I used to think like one of my quirks was I didn't like, you know, I, like I wanted to keep my kids at arm's length because I didn't like getting my clothes dirty. Now I realize it's just them. Like I literally, like I just want them at a distance. Like, like they'll come up and they'll be like breathing in my ear and they're like, you know, wiping their, their drool on my face. And it's just like, it's just awkward. And I'm, I'm just trying to say, that don't, don't judge me. Like, I can see you looking at me with your judgmental eyes. Don't act like you're some kind of holy parent. Just, I'm just burying my soul, just being real with you. But all I'm trying to say is to make the point that breathing room is a good thing. I like a little breathing room. And what's fascinating is, like, for my kids, the, the, the difference between kind daddy and cranky daddy is don't touch me. In, in the same sense, the difference between the wilderness and Canaan is margin. It's margin. It's some space, some breathing room. And I know some of you, you're thinking right now, well, what, what do you mean by margin? I'm glad you asked. Here's what I want to tell you. Margin is the space between your lifestyle and your limits. It's the space between your lifestyle and your limits. So if you're in the wilderness and you want to go to Canaan, you need a vision. You need to stop grumbling and complaining. You need to make sure you got the right people around. You need to learn to be content. You're going to have to embrace a new process, a new way of thinking, a new way of doing things. And you need to learn to create some margin, which is the space between your lifestyle and your limits. Now, here's what I want to tell you is that your income is not the thing that determines whether or not you can create margin. Did you catch that? Let me say that again. Your income is not the thing that determines whether or not you can create margin. You can be a student working at Starbucks and still create margin. You can have a decrease in your income and still create margin. You can have a small income and still have margin. And at the same time, you can have a large income and have no margin. Margin is the space between your lifestyle and your limits. But here's the thing you can't do. You can't enter Canaan without margin. You need some margin. Now, in the Exodus story, the first time we see God's people on the border of Canaan isn't in the book of Joshua. That's what I read to you, but that's actually the second time that they're there. The, the first time we catch them on the border was actually when Moses was leading them and he sends out 12 spies. Now, some of you might be familiar with this story. He sends out 12 spies to investigate the land and, and just see if it's as God has said. And as you may know, the, the, these spies, they come back and 
they bring back some huge fruit. It talks about how they, how they bring back these clusters of grapes and they had to carry them on a pole. It took multiple men to carry these grapes because it was so big. And the people, they can see that God's word is true. They can see that this is a good land. They can see that God does want to take them into a place that's far better than anything they've experienced. But even though they had the proof, not everybody is positive about it. There were 10 of these spies that were negative. And there were two of these spies that were positive. And it's in this setting that I want us to look at. It's found in Numbers 13. Let me read it to you. In verse 27, it says, They gave Moses this account. When we went into the land to which you sent us, or we went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's its fruit. But the people who live there, man, they're powerful. And their cities, they're, they're fortified. They're very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. In other words, they're saying, we saw giants in the land. And they start listing all the different obstacles and all the different people that are there. I want to skip to verse 30. Finally, Caleb, he has enough of it. says, Caleb silenced the people before Moses and he said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. So I want you to picture yourself in this scene. You've got the people giving this report. And they're saying, yeah, I've been there. I've, I've seen the other side. And it is amazing. It is incredible, but here's the thing. We can't do it. It's too hard. And they start complaining. They start freaking out. Everybody's worried. And Caleb, he gets up and says, be quiet. Look, look, not only can we do it, but we should do it. Because we can certainly do it. God is in this. It's not going to be easy, but we can do it. And he says, we can go for God's best together. So I've been talking to you about God's best. I've been talking to you about Ken. I've been talking to you about margin. But I want to define that for you even just a little bit more. I want to give you really a vision for what that looks like. What is, when we're talking about margin, what does that look like? I would define it as this. A 10, 10, 80 lifestyle. A 10, 10, 80 lifestyle. In other words, we give 10%, we save 10%, and we live off the rest. Now, some of you are like, well, okay, pastor, that's, that's great, but I kind of like, you know, like 10, 20, 70, okay, whatever, that's fine. Like the, the 80 number, that can go down, the other numbers can go up. I'm just, I'm just trying to help you identify here because some of you, Nobody's actually ever explained this to you, like what this looks like. 10, 10, 80 lifestyle. And I want to tell you this. We can certainly do it. We can certainly do it. In a society and a culture that is over our heads in debt and, and that lives right up to the edge of our limits, we never enter into what God has. We never enter into God's best. I'm just trying to help you understand what this looks like. A 10, 10, 80 lifestyle. You can certainly do it. 
So if you have a lifestyle that keeps you from tithing, that 10%, because the Bible says that first 10%, that's holy, that belongs to God. It's really not even ours to keep it. We're supposed to give it back to God. If you have a lifestyle that keeps you from doing that, it's time to create margin. At the same time, if you have a lifestyle that is keeping you from putting money away and saving and planning for unexpected times of downturn and decrease or season of shortage, if you're not able to do that, it's time to create margin. And I want you to understand, look, there is no shame, there is no condemnation here. That is not where I'm coming from. I'm here to help you. I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to tell you we can certainly do this. This message is a gift to you. This is God's gift to you in this season right now saying we can certainly do this. We, we, this is possible. This is God's best. But it's time to create margin. He said, look, you've never been this way before. It's a new way of thinking. This is a new process. So before you enter in, what I'm telling you is you got to learn to create some space. You, you got to learn to create some space on the border. You know what's really interesting to me is that uh, so many of us want to see God move in our life. And I, I've been around people who are praying for God to work a miracle. And particularly uh, financial, I would tell you, man, I'm, I believe in a God of miracles. We serve a God of miracles. He, he works miracles today. But what's interesting is I see a lot of people that will pray for a miracle, but don't want to see God move. But what I've noticed in Scripture, God always required people to participate. Always required people to participate. You look every time, you'll see people participating in miracles, particularly in the area of resource, supply, and provision. One thing I've noticed is that we can't make God move, but one thing we can do is make room. For God to move. A few weeks ago, I talked about the Shunammite woman. This woman was well-to-do. She, her, her need wasn't obvious, but she did have need. And the whole reason God met her need in the first place is because she literally made a room for the man of God, for the prophet to come stay at her house. In that same chapter, before, before the prophet even gets her, there's another one. There's this widow. And, and, and in this instance, like this woman is destitute. She is broke. She is poor. And you would think, like, if anybody, like, if God would just help out, if, any, if there's anybody that God would just intervene and meet their need, be her. In the same, same instance, the prophet says, what do you have in your house? He wanted her to participate. And you know what she did? She said, well, I have a little bit of oil. He says, okay. So go get some empty jars. In other words, create some space. Make some room for God to fill it. And what I see is there's a lot of people that are praying, that are asking God to move in their situation financially, but they've never created any space for God to fill. They've never trusted God with giving, so there's no space for God to fill. They've never trusted God with saving, so there's no space for God to fill. They've, they live right up on the edge of their limits with no margin, and there's no space for God to fill. What I'm trying to tell you is you can't make God move, but you can make room for him to move. And when you want to see God move, that, that's what he says. He says, 
create some space. And so Caleb, he, he stands up there on the border and he says, we can certainly do this. We can go into this. But not everybody agreed with him. I want to read on what they said in verse 31. It says, but the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land and had, that they had explored. They said, look, the land we explored devours those living there. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw giants there. And we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we look the same to them. They're, they're describing what they saw. They're using these word pictures and, and they're saying why they don't think it's possible. And what I want to tell you, so interesting. They're right on the border of something better. But you know what holds them back? A voice of negativity. And you are one voice away from an attitude that will hold you back and hinder you from moving forward. And at the same time, there were a couple voices that were saying, we can do it. You are one voice away from an attitude that'll help you move into God's best. But it's all about the voice that you choose to listen to. I don't think it's coincidence that there's 10 people saying we can't, two people saying we can't, because it seems like the negative voices are always louder. It seems like those negative voices are always shouting. But they're there, they're, they're on the edge, and they're so close. And I'm telling you, some of you are so close, but the thing that's going to hold you back is the voice that you choose to listen to. And I, I want to say, you got to listen to the right voice. you got to listen to God's word when he says, look, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. I'm, I'm with you always. you, you got to listen to God's word where he says that the Lord is an ever-present help in times of trouble. you, you got to listen to scripture when he says that he's our shepherd that leads us through the valley and onto the next mountain. How it says that he blesses us, that he prospers us, that he adds to our life, that he increases our life. I'm telling you, we serve a good God. This is what God's word says, that even if you earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your heavenly father desire to bless his children? I'm telling you, this is God's word, but what is the voice that you're going to listen to? Because you're one voice away. And you might be around some voices that are talking about giants. You might be around some voices that are talking about, you know, the lack of opportunity. You might be around some voices that are talking about the, the lack of good jobs out there, or the job market. Might, might be around some voices that are talking about the, the cost of living, maybe the cost of doing business. And you can listen to those voices. You can freak out. You can get worried. You can get scared and go crazy. Or I can hear another voice that says, no matter what happens, no matter the problems, no matter the giants, we have a promise. And the promise is our God is for us. Our God is with us. We can certainly do this. Now, here's the thing. Caleb never said that this was going to be easy. He, he never said 
that getting into Canaan was going to be a cakewalk. He didn't say that there weren't going to be any battles. He just said, we can do this. We can certainly do this. And here's what I want to tell you. Is that margin isn't something that just happens. It's something that you have to fight for. Margin isn't something that just happens. It's something you have to fight for. And this is where I see a lot of people make a mistake. You know, they, they run into hardship. Or maybe they've been living beyond their limits. But you can't just live impulsively. You can't just live casually and think you're going to end up with margin. It doesn't happen that way. And so when, when people face financial hardship, I, I see like one of two things happening. Uh, one is they get mad at God. Like, God, you failed me. How did I get into this situation? Or sometimes what's worse is they actually believe that God's going to work on their behalf, work a miracle, but they don't do anything about it. They just sit and wait for God to work a miracle. And really, when you have a relationship with God, what you find is that that includes trusting God. And it includes trusting God in times of adversity, trusting God in times of difficulty, trusting God in every season that comes your way. And so what I like to encourage people with is wisdom mixed with faith. In other words, do what you know to do where you're at right now and watch what God will do on the other end of that decision you're making. See, when you begin to see things this way, it changes the way you make financial decisions. And instead of just looking at something like, can I afford it? You begin to look at it as, can I create margin? Instead of how can I afford it? You start thinking, how can I create margin? It's a different way to look at this. And when we come to the place where we're satisfied to live with 80%, we do what we have to do to live there so we can have marginal lives for the future. I'm just telling you, man, we are practicing this principle that I'm telling you. I'm not telling you something that I don't live. I'm not telling you something that our church doesn't practice. This, you want to cross over into God's best. It starts with creating some space for God to move. And I want to give you a closing thought, though, on this story as they crossed over from the wilderness into Canaan. Because in that first passage I read to you, they were about to leave the wilderness, about to go into Canaan, but they had to cross this Jordan River that was too wide and too deep for them. So God told Joshua to get the people ready and have their heart ready, just get prepared, this idea of possibility. And he didn't get everybody ready to go, which is really interesting. What he did was he talked to the Levites first, he talked to the priests. And he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go first and go into the Jordan and stand in the middle there. Now there are some things that are really interesting about this to me because the Levites were priests, they were the leaders, they were the first, they went ahead. Levites were people that, they were the tribe of Levi. They were actually set apart, holy unto God. And they carried on their shoulders the Ark of the Covenant which represents the presence of God, which represents the power of God. And I thought it was so interesting how 
the first thing Joshua did is he took the Levites and said, you go first and step out into the Jordan. I wonder if it's just this principle of the first thing we do is we set apart that part that is holy unto God. We send it first because that's the thing that carries God's power in our life. And then the next thing Joshua said is, hey, you need to create some space. Don't, don't just everybody go all at once. We're gonna send this part that's holy unto God first. Then we're gonna create some space. And then the people, they didn't just all go at once. Now here's the whole thing, how, the, how this happened. God worked a miracle in this situation. But you know, the, the miracle didn't just happen like that. It didn't just happen after Joshua spoke it. Do you know what caused the waters to part? We, we read it in the beginning. It was the moment the Levites took a step. And as soon as their foot hit the border, hit the edge of that water, that's when the waters parted. And entering into God's best begins with courageous, faith-filled steps. I wonder right now, how many of you are on the border of something better? You, you've been taking these words that we've been looking at every week, you've been applying them to the life, you've been having conversations, you've been praying things. And I've been so encouraged just to hear the different stories. You, you're talking about things you haven't talked about in a while. You're praying about things you haven't prayed about before. You're making plans. I wonder how many of you are, are right on the border of something better. And the thing that's gonna really take you into God's best is for you to begin to apply this principle in your life. The moment you take that step, create some you create some space for God to fill. I know this isn't a pretty sermon. I know it's not a sexy sermon, but I'm telling you, I'm trying to help you and trying to encourage you this morning. And I believe if you do this, you're gonna see God move because you're on the border of something better.